Well, good morning. Let's go ahead and, and turn in our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. Now, I'm going to be taking a, a diverging path this morning from Exodus, uh, as I want to speak with you about one of my favorite passages, but also one of the most challenging for us to look at. So being here at, at Grace Church for almost 25 years, I've had the opportunity to take numerous teens on many uh, mission education projects. And these have been both domestic and foreign uh, as well. And one of the passages that I require to be memorized for our foreign trips is this passage, Ephesians 3, 14 to 21, which is Paul's powerful prayer. Now, many of you watching today have had to memorize that passage. And thanks to the beauty of technology, uh, AJ has been able to reverse uh, the camera here. So we're going to go live into your rooms right now and have you recite back to me the passage that you memorized when you went on one of these MEP projects with me. Okay, we're not really going to do that. But I do want to share my thoughts about this scripture with you this morning. So let's read the passage, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So this passage can easily be split into two parts for us to look at uh, this morning. Verses 14 to 19, we have Paul's prayer for the church at Ephesus. And then verses 20 and 21, we have Paul's praise of God, uh, and we will get to that. So let's first look at those six verses, uh, 14 to 19. And as we read these verses, you can see in this that as Paul is writing, he is building each phrase on top of the preceding phrase. So he's building a staircase of prayer. So that first step uh, as Paul is praying is that we, step one, may be strengthened. In verse 16, we find that. Step two is that we may comprehend, and that's in verse 18. And then step three in that staircase of prayer is actually the landings, like what are we aiming for? What is that spot that we ultimately want to be at? And that is verse 19, that we may be filled. So let's dive a little deeper into these purposes of Paul's prayer and that staircase of prayer that he's built. So the three purposes of prayer, number one, that first step, that we may be strengthened. In verse 16, he talks about the strength that we would have through the Holy Spirit, that the power through His Spirit in our inner being. So the Holy Spirit is to, to strengthen us, to give us power to live this life in which we are called and to be controlled by that Spirit as the Spirit is in our inner being. Now, that the word power there is also the same word that's used in Acts 1.8. 
where it says that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will then have power to be my witnesses. And he says here that what is the purpose of that power? So that we would be strengthened in our inner man. And when we think about it, that's really where we run into trouble. The constant battle that we have between who we know we should be as a follower of Christ and who we are deep down, our inner man, that inner uh, person that constantly, as the scripture says, is battling and warring with each other. That's where we run into trouble. So Paul's prayer is that we would have strength by the power of the Holy Spirit to take control and allow the Spirit to control that inner being. And then he says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. So what does it mean to be dwell? To, to dwell? It, it means to be welcomed, to, to feel at home in our heart. It's not just to inhabit and be there. If you think about when you have a guest come into your house, you, you provide a, a portion of that house for them, and you may tuck away other stuff to hide from them, but for someone to dwell means that they have access to the entire house, to every room. Uh, when I was growing up, there was a, a, a pamphlet called My Heart, Christ's Home uh, by Robert Boyd Munger, and it really describes uh, this in, in greater meaning, where it talks about that uh, Christ needs to feel welcome and comfortable in each room of our heart. And this, this pamphlet took uh, a kind of a survey of the house and what it would mean for Christ to feel welcome in that room. The kitchen, you know, what are our appetites? What are we pursuing? Uh, the living room, what are we uh, doing that just is our, our pleasure? What about that closet upstairs down the hall that's hidden that we really don't want anybody to know about? How does Christ feel welcome knowing what's in there and us allowing access to that? Another, uh, another way I've heard it is that when we have our devotions or our quiet time uh, each morning, it's as though we are coming into the living room with Christ to spend time with Him. And there are probably, uh, if you're like me, there are times where I may come down to do that and I walk right past Christ as He's waiting to have time with us. Is He feeling welcome and comfortable in our house? That's what it means to dwell in our hearts through faith. And, and then Paul gives another illustration here where he talks about uh, our, our love, that it's rooted and grounded, our, our faith is rooted and grounded in love. And he gives two uh, descriptions there, like roots of a tree, uh, so an agricultural thing. And you know, uh, as well as I do, that the deeper the roots go, then the stronger the tree is and the, the stronger the storms that it can withstand. And then he says, like the foundation of a building. Again, he, he's giving an industrial view now where you know that the, the deeper the foundation goes, the stronger that is, the more the building can withstand. I don't know if you have uh, been by the new Valley Hospital that's being built in Paramus. I go there, I go past there every Monday, and I'm seeing what is happening. And, and the strength of uh, even what they're building, the foundation, the, the pillars of that, the strength, how deep they are going so that they can hold the building on top of that. Again, so that it can withstand the storms uh, that will hit it. And that's the same for us, that our, uh, our, our faith would be deep like the roots of a tree and like a foundation of a building. The second step in Paul's prayer here is that we may comprehend, uh, verse 18 and 19, uh, that we would comprehend with all the saints 
Uh, and with all the saints, it's, it's not just those around the world now, uh, but it is those that preceded us and those that will be after us. It is that all followers of Christ would comprehend this love. And so what does the word comprehend mean? It means to grasp, to take hold of, to win the prize. Uh, it's as, as though you were reaching out across the finish line to grab that prize. I don't know if you've seen uh, many of the Olympic races where it may come down to that last few steps and, and it's who is, uh, to win that prize, who is willing to sometimes sacrifice themselves as they reach across that line to grasp and take hold of that prize. That's what it means to comprehend. And then the, the, it says that we may have strength to comprehend. This is the strength that Paul just prayed we would have by the power of his Holy Spirit. We'd be strengthened by that power so that we would have strength to comprehend. And a little bit later on, we understand that even what we are given the strength to comprehend is beyond comprehension. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that later. Uh, but to understand and to comprehend is doesn't mean we have the ability to articulate or grasp with intellect alone, but it really must be experienced since it is beyond comprehension, since it's beyond what our mind can even fathom. It is beyond that, so we have to experience it. And again, he refers to that a little bit later, that it, since it is beyond our comprehension, more than we can think or even imagine. That sounds like Paul's praise at the end of this prayer. There's so much that is uh, interwoven in this prayer here. Well, what is it that we are to comprehend? The love of Christ. Paul is, Paul throughout all of his letters really uh, dwells on the love of Christ and uh, all of his scriptures that he talks about. Uh, that faith, hope, and love stand, but the greatest of these is love. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit is love. He continues to go after love. So he really wants us to understand or comprehend what that love is. And he writes uh, the description here in being the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth of Christ's love. There's a lot of different ways that, that uh, people have described. Why is he using those different phrases? I'm going to share a couple with you. I hope that they help uh, further help you to comprehend the love of Christ. The generous breadth of his love in that it includes us. The eternal length of his love that it is patient and never abandoning. The all-forgiving height that it surpasses our guilt and the sacrificial depth that it is lifting us out of our failures. Corey Tim Boom had a a great quote, which I'm, I'm often reminded of, and where she says, there is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. That whatever we think of, as we're thinking of the, the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, that whatever we can think, God is more than that. The love of Christ is more than that. God's love is total. It reaches every corner of our experience. It's wide in that it covers the breadth of our own experience and it reaches out to the whole world. It is long in that it continues the length of our lives. It is never ceasing. It is high in that it rises to the heights of our celebration and elation 
and it is deep in that it reaches out to the depths of our discouragement and despair. The breadth, length, height, and depth, the infinite measure of love. It is all-encompassing. Now, just as Christ said that we are to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, He's not limiting it to these are the four areas you have to love God with. It is a description, is a picture of loving God with all that we are. It is an all-encompassing love of, that we have for God. Now, I'm sure that you have had many times where you have something that kind of describes everything. Uh, Cooper, my grandson, has a, in, in describing different things, uh, if you ask how big it is or how many, for him, that ultimate number is 14. And it'll be, you know, how, how, how long until we get there? There's going to be 14. How big is it? 14. Uh, Monday, when we have our, uh, our pop day and we go and have uh, munchkins together, we say, how many are you going to have? And he says, 14, which means he wants all of them, even more than that. That's what Paul is describing here. He is describing that this is all-encompassing. There is an infinite measure of Christ's love. And that leads to the, the third step, that final step, the landing, that as we may be strengthened and as we may comprehend, that leads to that final step, that we may be filled. Filled with what? Filled with all the fullness of God, which again is beyond comprehension. It surpasses knowledge to understand all of this, the love of Christ and being filled with the fullness of God. Now, many times we will compare ourselves to the person that is uh, next to us, somebody that we, an acquaintance, a friend, a family member, uh, and we compare our fullness to that person's fullness. And that is not what we are comparing ourselves to. I'm more full than that person. Colossians 2.9 says that in Christ, all the fullness of God dwells. So we are really are to be filled with the fullness of God. We are comparing our fullness to that of Christ, who is the complete fullness of God. That's Colossians 2.9. Interesting. And then Colossians 2.10, Paul says that we are complete. We are filled with that fullness positionally, we are there. We have been brought to fullness because of the love of Christ and His sacrifice on the cross for us. So positionally, we're there, but practically, every day, we need to pray to be filled to the fullness. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says that day by day, we need a renewing of our heart and spirit. We need to do that. Positionally, we are saved through Christ alone. But Paul says to work out your salvation. Positionally, we are holy because we are covered with the blood of Christ. Yet practically, we need to be holy as God is holy. We need to continue to pursue holiness. Here, positionally, we are complete. We are filled with God, but we need to practically every day continue to pray to be filled with that fullness. Now, that doesn't mean that we take the entire fullness of God within us, because as I said, only Christ is that. But just as you take a thimble 
and you take it to the ocean and you can fill it to overflowing with water when dipped into that vast uh, shoreless ocean there without exhausting its capacity so we too can be filled to a measure of the fullness of God and it does not diminish God at all. We don't take away from God. We are continually filled with Him as we pray daily to be filled. Then we come to those last uh, few verses there where I think as Paul is writing this or as he's praying it and then writing down his prayer, he becomes overwhelmed with with who God is and the love of Christ, the the power of the Holy Spirit. And he just kind of stops and just, he says in those last few verses, and now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. So there's two, two points we have here. As Paul starts to wrap this up, he says it's now to him. He is the one who the church is for. He's speaking of God here. Again, he's overwhelmed with it. Paul understands who it's all about. He knows that it's all about God. It's interesting because as soon as he's finished with this and he goes into the next chapter in Ephesians, he says, Paul says that there is one God, one Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Paul is just, he's enamored and and overwhelmed with who God is. Are we like that? Or do we just kind of go through life? Or do we truly understand who God is, what he has done for us through the sacrifice of his son Jesus Christ so that we may be complete in him? It's to him. And then he, he follows that up with who is able. All this leads to the, the four steps of God's ability. He is able. As, as Jesus said when he was, his time on earth, he said, all things are possible with God. So he is able. Able what? Able to do far more. So whatever his ability is, there's even more of what God can do. There's no limit to his ability. He can do far more. Far more what? Far more than we can ask. So Paul has just asked for us to be strengthened with the power of his spirit, that we would comprehend the love of God, the love of Christ, which is beyond comprehension, and that we would be filled to the fullness of God. That's what we've asked. And then he says, God is able to do even more than we ask. So maybe you, you take a time and, and you, you say, all right, so what would be beyond that? Let me think of what that would be. And then Paul says, well, guess what? He's able to do far more than you ask, or even what you think, even what you're imagining right now. God can do more than that. There is no smallness of thought or prayer or desire when it comes to God. We need to start thinking God-sized prayers. Too many times we limit our prayers to, if God doesn't come through, I can, st- I can cover for him. I, got, I have God's back. I can take care of this if he doesn't. Or if God doesn't answer the way we want, well, maybe God didn't have the ability. Maybe God didn't have, it doesn't have the love to do that. But again, here we find that his love is beyond comprehension, 
and his ability is beyond comprehension. We need to start having God-sized prayers. When's the last time you prayed for healing, for a miracle for someone? When's the last time you prayed for the healing of our nation, especially in, in the midst of what we're going through right now? He says, anyone that comes to me and prays, I will heal their land. Are we praying those? When's the last time you prayed for that person who you thought was beyond the grasp of God? Someone who God just said, they're so far gone, God, God can't save them. We know that God is able to do more than that. So pray for that person. We need to start having God-sized prayers. As I read this, I'm reminded in uh, Habakkuk 1.5, he is crying out to God. He goes, when are you going to do something? When are you going to take care of what's going on? And God's response to him is, I am doing a work that you would not believe, even if I told you, God is at work. Do you hear that? A lot of times we say God is taking a vacation, He's taking a rest, but God is at work. We can't see it, and I think many times we don't see it because our eyes are not opened. We are not looking for it. But did you, did you see in Paul's prayer, one, this is one of the reasons I absolutely love this prayer, there's so much that's happening, and if, uh, we could take weeks to really... Uh, uh, dive into this passage here. At the beginning, Paul prays for strength from the Holy Spirit to comprehend a love that is beyond comprehension. Then he speaks about the power of the Holy Spirit, that we would be strengthened with the power of His Spirit in our inner being. And at the end, he says, God is able to do more than we ask or think according to the power at work within us. No, the power at work within us is the power of the Holy Spirit He just prayed for. The prayer is answered through the Spirit in our inner being, doing and us allowing Him to have control over us. And a lot of times when uh, we have worship at, uh, at Common Ground, we take a time between songs where we will love God's sightings which is a chance to share where we have seen God at work during the week. And it's interesting because as we do that, the first few times we do it, not a whole lot of response, but as, as we become trained to seeing God at work, the weeks as we continue into that, the more people are seeing God is at work here. This is where I saw him. This is where I saw him. He's working, but we need to open up our spiritual eyes to see what he's doing. We need to look for him. But beyond that, we need to tell others what we see. If you see God at work, share that with someone. Share that with a family member, uh, a coworker, a friend, a, a school, uh, somebody who's sitting next to you in class, somebody on your sports team, because this may be what they are needing to hear. The amount of times where I've seen somebody share where God is at work and somebody says, that's what I needed to hear because I haven't seen or I haven't felt God at work. God may be using you in sharing where you've seen him to bring that person to salvation, to rekindle the fire and flame of faith in their lives. So when we see God at work, that's not just for us to go, oh, that's kind of cool. But as we need to tell others like, God is at work. This is really cool. Let me tell you where I've seen him. We need to have our eyes open to see that He is at work.
within us, doing more than we can ask or even think. So there it is. That's Paul's powerful prayer. Have you prayed like that for someone? I know a lot of times we'll pray for somebody's health or their finances or a situation they're going through, but have you prayed for people to be strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit, to comprehend the all-encompassing love of Christ that is beyond comprehension, and that they would be filled with the fullness of God? Have we prayed that? I challenge you to read this prayer, Ephesians 3, 14 to 21, each day this week. And when you're done, pray it specifically over someone, someone in your life. Look to see how God is doing more than you can ask or even imagine in your life, in their life, in the lives of those around you and around the world. We need this truth to be with us each and every day in this place, especially with what we are going through today. We need to pray for people to be strengthened, to comprehend the love of Christ, and to be filled with the fullness of God. Let's pray. God, we just, again, thank you for the truth of your word. This prayer that Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus thousands of years ago, and how it still is so true and applicable to our lives, and that we would understand it. And for that reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And now to Him, who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.